This is the Business Storytelling Podcast with Christoph Trapp, available on Google, Spotify, Apple, Pandora, and other podcast channels. Want to play it on your iPhone? Just ask Siri to play the Christoph Trapp Business Storytelling Podcast, also available on Alexa. Here's Christoph with today's episode. Hey, Business Storytellers, how's it going? If you're watching on the live stream, happy New Year's Eve. That's when we're recording this, 12-31-2020. So if you listen to this on the podcast version, um, that's going to run a little later in January 2021. Get it? 2021. Not the number one, but one. Ha, ha, ha. Um, I can't say I came up with that one, but I think it's rather hilarious because 2020 was kind of a mess. So let's talk about challenges. Uh, And today we want to talk about challenges and when it comes to content marketing. And hopefully, you know, if you're listening to the show, we don't have to berate anymore how important it is to have a good content strategy, how important it is to share your business story. If you don't have a unique story, how are you going to stand out? How are you going to be different? You know, it can't just be we want to make money. Let's get that out of the, off, off the table. We all want to make money. The end. But you got to have a better story. You got to share stuff that people want to listen to. So today's guest, we'll bring him out of the green room here in a second. On the show, Chris Hughes, he's a content strategist in Austin, uh, where I guess it's raining today. I'm in Iowa, and in Iowa we had 11 inches of snow the other day. The kids loved it. And honestly, since I'm not traveling anywhere currently, I don't really care because it's kind of pretty, uh, except it's outside and somebody has to clean it up, and that somebody usually is me. So let's find out about the content challenges companies face, small small to bigger companies. Everybody has um, challenges and barriers to overcome, and how do we overcome them? How do we move forward? How do we become more successful? Let's bring him on here. Chris Hughes, welcome to the show. Hi, guys. How's it going? Living the dream, so to speak. <laughs> How are you doing? I'm great. Uh, ready for a new year and kick things off, get a fresh start. Taking this week to uh, just decompress a little bit, do nothing, kind of in that weird limbo time, but ready to ready to get going again. The the weird limbo time. Somebody called it. Is it the, the it's the weakest link or something something <laughs> like that? So when when we talk about, I mean, there's plenty of challenges. I mean, we could probably talk about this for for you know a couple days and of course we are live streaming to twitch and i know the the fans and friends over on twitch they like these long hours and hours of video games so but we could talk about it forever i mean there are so many issues out there from workflows to not understanding what we're trying to do not you know what are the biggest things you're seeing it's really a variety and it depends a lot, I feel like, on life cycle and where a company is and whether it's a solopreneur that I'm working with and really helping them establish their cadence and, and the way that they create content uh, week by week versus a small business or a startup that's in that mode where they're realizing that content needs to be a big part of their marketing and really digging in and figuring out how to tell that story. And then you've got legacy companies who have established a lot of content. They've got stuff rolling. And maybe it's not working for them. So it's a reframing process and helping them improve their content. So I think it's different for everybody. For a solopreneur, the big challenge is just finding the time. You know, the big complaint there, they're wearing all the hats. They're doing everything under the sun. So it's just finding like 30 minutes a day that you can really dedicate to content and digging into that. And telling your story first and foremost 
figuring out who your, who your persona is secondarily and then building on top of that. You know, for a startup, it really is finding that consistency and the type of content that makes the most sense for them. Because for startups, a lot of times, especially if they're in kind of the seed funding mode or they don't have as much to work with budgetarily, they want to make sure they're getting a good bang for their buck. They're getting a good ROI. So you got to make content and create content that's impactful and gets that quick ROI, whether it's short form or longer form and, you know, kind of that hub spoke model of content. And then with legacy companies, they might be driving a lot of traffic, but the lead generation isn't good. So it's going back and reframing and updating content. And uh, thinking about it that way is let's update first and let's look at what we've got already in our content catalog and improve that uh, instead of necessarily dedicating a lot of funds or a lot of resources to new creation. So I feel like it's different for everybody and it just kind of depends on where they are in their life cycle. The challenges are really unique, and but they're, they tend to be pretty common between those three groups. All right, so um, updating existing content, of course, that's actually, I'm, I'm, we're going to work on that. Um, I don't know when, maybe later today or, or tomorrow or this weekend or whenever. Um, but I am updating old content. I'm looking at what content do I have on this topic, what's performing, what's not performing. And if I have an article from 2015, that's not performing. Guess what? Or, or not performing, of course, is relative, right, based on what, what my object, objectives are. Sure. But I take it, I put it all together, and I try to make it one big article. So now it's like, you know, it's probably going to be like a 3,000, 4,000-word article with very little new content. I'm really just repurposing and updating what I have and trying to make it work this time around, right? It didn't work for five years, so maybe uh, I can update it and, and, and salvage some of it. Uh, but, but how do we even start that? I mean, first of all, it is a lot of work. Second of all, the other thing I was just thinking about, you know, I'm kind of building a content strategy and you build it as you're living. You build the house as you live in the house. But when I first started marketing, Chris, you know what people wanted to do? They wanted the final piece the, on the first draft. And of course, right. that's, that seems to be changing today. <laughs> sure. Of course, I think you have to take a look at um, pieces and where they stand in terms of you know, what, what's the primary goal? And what are you looking to, to get out of the update? You know, if it's not converting, it may not be that you're changing a lot about language necessarily. You're just making it more impactful and more action-driven where you're encouraging your audience to really take an action. Maybe the consistency of the calls to action aren't there within the body of the article. So you're really just going in and making the voice more urgent. You're making sure that the consistency of the calls to action is there. So you're driving action and that in, in, encourages you know, people to take the steps that you want them to take and therefore your conversion rate should be better. You know, if it's, if it's just really not driving traffic, then, then why as, is that? Is the, is the content not current enough? Like you mentioned writing something in 2015, well, that bit gap between then and now, obviously things have changed uh, quite a bit. If, if you're writing, you know, like in the SaaS world or something like that and your products changed or the landscape and, and your competitive uh, landscape has changed, you want to write to make that article more current and just, you know, more, more current to the time. So people see that article is more authoritative. And naturally, if you're, you're updating that article to add more current information, Google will see it as more authoritative where you can get that bump and you can get, a, you know, that, a, that kind of uptick from, from updating. And I think that's really where the value in updating comes in. Is it more we're trying to push people to action? Or is it we're updating the article to make it more current to, to get it back on Google's radar so that content's indexed again? 
I'm currently accepting requests for future virtual and on-site keynotes and workshops. In 2020 alone, I've spoken in Singapore and Istanbul, virtually of course, thanks COVID. I can't wait to get back on the road, and if we still can't get on the road in 2021, I would be happy to speak at your event virtually. Please reach out to me, ctrap at gmail.com or authenticstorytelling.net. Interesting too, what updating content is, uh, you know, as you said, stuff changes, but also maybe it wasn't written in the right style. Maybe, you know, at that time, nobody cared about that topic. Nobody was searching for it. Maybe we're, you know, we're, we're missing the mark on some things. And here's the other thing. I used to write a lot of shorter stuff because that's what people used to say. Short, 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 no attention spans. Of course, that's not what that means anyways, right? To write shorter because people skim stuff. So the 3,000 word article, the skimmers might still get stuff out of it because you can actually skim a 3,000 word article as opposed to you know, a 200 word article. But anyway, so I combine it all and it's now deeper, right? Because, because I'm sharing a lot more stuff in the same, same, same article. So when you talk about converting though, so this is always a fun discussion because everybody wants conversions right now. How many leads do we have? Blah, blah, blah. But if I'm starting, and especially I was, I was talking to somebody the other day and I actually, one of the articles I was working on, uh, you know, there's like 120 monthly searches, you know? So guess what? And they're all relevant, right? But yeah. even, if I, even if I get uh, a half of those, yeah. that's only 60. And then, you know, some of them might not be willing or they might not be in the buying stage right now. Um, and then the other thing is, you know, depending what the product is, uh, when Chris Daly was on the show, he talked about people need to stop thinking that anybody will buy anything over $50 on the first time they click on anything on your website. You know, and that's uh, same here. I mean, I, you know, as you can see, I, I, I like these hats. I got a bunch <laughs> in the back. But I don't even buy those hats the first time I look at them. And they're $34.99 or $23.29 or whatever. So uh, so how do we get that in our heads? And how do we think about lead generation when, when we talk about content? Yeah, it's it's very much funnel stages. You hear the, the traditional, you know, Ida funnel, the awareness, interest, decision, action funnel. And that that's true. I mean, that's definitely a big aspect of it. But you need to think about buyer intent also, right? Like what are the, your intent driven keywords? You know, when people search in Google, what uh, keywords are they searching or what phrases are they searching for that typically turn into conversion? And a lot of times those intent phrases are very different than like the awareness stage phrases. Uh, when somebody's just starting to find out about you or they find your website uh, in another way or early top of funnel, that's very different than low funnel like buyer intent. You know, I worked for projectmanager.com for a while, uh, which is a project management software uh, company. They're in the same space with like Trello and Smartsheet and like Asana and those guys. And we're always looking to chase key keywords like project management software, project planning, uh, you know, resource planning, project management project management uh, tools, because those were buyer intent. If people are searching for those, it's very obvious that they have an intent to convert, that they're, they've gone through the comparison process, they've evaluated competition, and now they're really looking to see what tools solve their problems. So it's a big difference between that top of funnel content that's just more general interest and general awareness versus that buyer intent content that's low funnel, where you may have less searches every month, but 
that doesn't necessarily matter because the people that are doing the searching are ready to pull the trigger and they're ready to make a decision. Of course, those are also harder to rank for because everybody is throwing their ad dollars behind it. I mean, you know, I was looking for something the other day and the, the organic result didn't even show up until like, you know, I don't know, half half down the page or whatever it was because uh, there's eight ads on top of it. So when you talk about chasing keywords, we that's an interesting topic to me because so I everything I do, I do look at the keywords. I see what I'm trying to rank for. I see what other people are doing. The other thing is too, sometimes I pick the wrong terminology. You know, like I did, I mean, the example I keep giving is I talked about podcast to video and I called it one thing or another. I don't remember what it was. And Max Brandstetter said to me, that's a, that's a, an audiogram. Never even heard of that term, but, but people search for that term, right? So I need right. to use the right terminology. And then we had Barry Schwartz on the show earlier this week and and he kind of made the case that you shouldn't you shouldn't really like you should do keyword research but but really tell your authentic stories right be real share stuff that that solves people's problems so how, where do you draw that line when uh, when when you work with companies or or as they're diving in should they uh should they overthink keyword research or what's your thought on that yeah i think the storytelling aspect is the most important and the brand development aspect is the most important the way i think about content for small companies and startups is if you're not telling your story then you're leaving that story up to your potential customers to determine who you are so you've got to tell your story you've got to be authentic you've got to tell people flat out this is who we are this is what we believe these are our corporate values this is why you should work with this or why you should buy our product so i think that storytelling comes first and obviously, you want to find keywords that make sense for your niche and, and make sense for your unique value proposition and what you're what you're looking to sell. There's a, a tough balance there between being human and, and telling your, your company's story and being robotic and, and making it obviously look like you're, you're stuffing keywords into articles and forcing those in. So you really got to protect that balance. Um, a great tool to use is something like lsigraph.com where you can look at latent semantic keywords, LSI keywords. Because a lot of these are other ways that people search for the keywords that you're targeting. So maybe you've, you've got something that's ultra competitive and the search volume is very low and you're going to be running uphill and you're going to be chasing that for a long time. It's not going to give you a lot of benefit back. And if you find like the LSI version, it could be just another way to say that. Like just what you say with like audiogram, it could just be another term for it that's less competitive, and maybe that should really be the keyword that you go after. So I think using LSI and thinking about that and thinking about synonyms and alternatives is very important, but also like being authentic storyteller and telling you know your story as a company, I think always comes first and foremost, if that's not something you've done yet. You know, I, I encourage everybody to dig into that first before they ever bother or touch SEO, because uh, it's cart before horse otherwise. <laughs> Well, and as Barry mentioned, there are some SEO things that are just very basic, like make sure people can find your site. Don't check the little box in WordPress or don't have the robots, t whatever it's called, running. I mean, I, I see that all the time. So let's talk about finding the time. Uh, and one thing I want to mention really quickly here, um, one thing that I've learned is there's ways to, number one, find the time, and number two, to make your time more efficient. So for example... Um, back in the day, Chris, I would have probably said, hey, can I talk to you, interview you for an article? And then I write notes on my paper um, and then I write an article, right? But today I don't really do that at all anymore. I do still use paper just to make some notes, just to write down some questions, do a podcast. But I invite people on the podcast 
Now we live stream the podcast. So real quick shout out. We produce them with live, uh, switcherstudio.com. Check them out. Trap One gets you your first month off. And then, um, by the way, Restream pushes it to all those different channels. So mm -hmm. that's how we end up on Twitch and uh, Amazon and Facebook and uh, whatever. So check, check them out. Um, but they have helped me to really kind of step up my efficiency, right? Because I'm interviewing you and I, I, I have a show every day or every other day or whatever. And basically what happens is when I write articles, I pull quotes from those shows and I flesh out my articles. So a couple of different things, what happens? I don't just make it up because I'm sitting here in my writer's room or whatever and come up with stuff, but I get it from the experts and then I use them, but I don't use them all in one piece, right? I don't say, here's an article page about the interview with Chris Hughes. People may not search for that. People may not care about that. I mean, they would care about yours, right? But any other guests probably, right? <laughs> but but you know what I mean? Like, And yeah. then I pull pieces sure. to make it work. So I think I'm relatively efficient with how I do it. But but what are some other ways and, and how do you recommend people, especially when they don't have a huge team? How do they find time? I mean, it does take some time. Yeah, sure. I, I look at it as 30 minutes a day. And that's really what I impress upon my clients and people I work with is if you could dedicate 30 minutes a day, you'd be amazed at the compounding returns that that develops over the course of time. Uh, you know, it could be a thousand word article each week. You know, it could be some videos that you're shooting that are short form. It could be a long form video that you shoot once a week that you repurpose and into smaller kind of snackable bits for social media. So I, I impress that 30 minutes a day. Can you block out 30 minutes a day? And the majority of people will say yes. I mean, even if it's first thing in the morning, it's just something they tick off before their day starts. You know, they're open to that and they can dig into that. So that's why I think about it. And I think I really impress upon people to use a swipe file of some sort. A swipe file can be something as simple as a Google Notes or a Google Doc uh, that you have and you just, when you come across content and stuff you want to write about or you want to podcast on or shoot a video on, you just put it in that swipe file a little bit at a time. Uh, like for example, I'm on LinkedIn. LinkedIn, every time I leave a comment for somebody, I put that comment in the swipe file because that can come back later and be kind of the impetus for me to write a, write a post on LinkedIn. So whatever you want to use for a swipe file that always gives you content ideas, so you're not always having to think of, of fresh stuff on the fly. Uh, there's a guy named Jay Desai uh, that is pretty active on Twitter and on LinkedIn. He has a tool called Swipely, uh, which is awesome for that. It's kind of like a visual, almost like a Kanban, Kanban board, like Trello or something like that. Um, but that's the notion is you have that swipe file to go back to and just makes creation real easy. So, of course, I mean, I, I've used those before for me personally. They don't work too well. And here, and I'm not saying don't use it, guys. It might work for you. But for me, they don't work. And here's the reason why. Because I end up with so many ideas in there that I never get to anything. So what I do <laughs> is, but but I know they work. Some people, I like uh, Basecamp, which is kind of like Trello. Uh, you know, some of those tools to put ideas in there. And, and you can kind of move them around. And the other thing I found is I write the same idea down 10 times if I don't actually do it. And then by the time I get there, I'm like, oh, that sounds familiar. Um, the other thing that I found is I use other technology as well to make it efficient. So for example, uh, when I invited uh, Chris to come on the show, I sent him a Calendly link immediately. I say, you wanna come on the show, here's the link. 
And that link has rules, right? So when he schedules, sometimes people say, well, the next thing is out six weeks. I'm like, that is because I, I only put away those 30 minutes, right, per day. I don't put away eight hours a day to do a live stream or whatever. And then basically he can book a time and now he's on the calendar, right? You know, a lot of guests, they will say, here's the topic we discussed. Now it's in there and we can kind of move forward from there. And most of that process is automated, right? Because he gets the, he signs up. I get the email, he gets the email, and adds it to our calendar. And that helps me to, to kind of move things forward. So there's many, many tools out there that you can find. But absolutely, it's like going to the gym, right? I mean, I'm already thinking, should I go to the gym this afternoon? Um, yes, I should, just to make it a habit, even if it's not the best workout ever this year. But at the end of the day, you got to make it a habit. How about content types? I know when people first start writing, I think writing has kind of gotten a bad name to an extent just because we're, we're growing up. We grew up in school and this is how you write, you know. So I think sometimes people write in a way that might not be as authentic as they could sound. So um, is that the best way to start to, to learn how to write and find your voice and sound authentic? Not so, you know, this is the, the, the way we learned it in school. Absolutely. There is no necessity for really that formality of writing anymore. Kind of the stuffy writing that, you know, that we're taught to, I mean, grammar is important. Spelling is important. Don't get me wrong. But I think adding some humor and adding that flair that's unique to your personality is really valuable uh, because it makes you, makes you human. You come across as human when you write, uh, you know, with a voice that's yours. You hear write like you talk a lot, and I don't necessarily agree with that per se, but it's more so just write with your personality. You know, use uh, terms that that you would use in, in everyday life. I mean, really come off as natural. And if writing is forced for you and it, and it feels something like something that's just not comfortable and you're much more comfortable talking, then, you know, you can do podcasts, you can do audio content just as easily that's just as valuable. I mean, there's a lot of brands that are really digging in heavily uh, to audio now instead of spending so much time and so much effort on written content, and they're they're being just as successful. And, you know, video too. I can't stress video enough. If you're if you're willing to put your face and, and your voice out there and your personality out there, video can provide a huge impact, especially on platforms like LinkedIn and Twitter. Uh, that are visual to begin with, they're social to begin with. If you're willing to put video out there, you may not get the views that you would get from written content on social platforms, but the engagement you'll get is dramatically bigger, at least in my experience. Actively, three, four months ago, and my engagement on those platforms has increased quite a bit just from getting my face out there and, and you know, stop and quitting hiding behind written content and, and being more forward. So there's a, there's a balance. There is a balance, and I'm not, guys. Don't at me. Don't at me about <laughs> I don't like the written word. I love the written word. I'm, you know, that's probably the majority of the, the stuff I've created. Over eight hundred thousand words on authenticstorytelling.net. So don't at me about I don't like the written word. But it is something to keep in mind. Of course, on the other, on the flip side, I don't know that anybody wants to look at my face, quite frankly. But <laughs> people are watching these things. I mean, there is some of these live streams. They are so much more successful than the article version. And I know some of it is that the article version, you know, with SEO, sometimes it takes a while or if you didn't hit the time frame correctly, 
you know what I mean? Like it could take a, a few months or even, you know, Michelle Garrett said some B2B content can take like two years. Uh, now, if it takes five years, I kill it, honestly, if it still doesn't do anything. But two years, it's possible. So yeah. podcasting, live streaming. The one thing I would recommend if you do live streams, find a way to ship it to all those different networks and not to keep harping on these guys. But, you know, Restream does help you do that. Uh, and, and I do everything from the iPad here. Um, how about repurposing content? What else have you seen that that's worked and that doesn't work? Yeah, repurposing. I'm a big proponent of repurposing. I think anything you do long form, especially written, you can repurpose into a lot of different avenues, especially social posts. If you're doing a two, three, four thousand word article, uh, then why not break that up and, and turn that into some quick hit social posts or even uh, some shorter blog posts if you want to do that. I think that tends to be uh, really successful. I think Teasing content from social to your real your real estate, like your website or something like that, is really valuable. Especially if you're doing podcasts, you want to put a shorter version of the podcast. It's a snippet that's really a powerful snippet to hook people to push them to your real estate to watch the full version. So I think that repurposing goes from long form to short form, as well as it goes from short form to long form. So it moves in both directions. Um, I don't, you know, I don't know. I, I, I think it just really depends on where you lean in and, and where you're most consistent. If, it, if it's writing, then breaking things up for social posts is really valuable in terms of repurposing. Uh, if you're doing video, then you've got that two-way street running in either direction. Same thing with podcasts. You know, I think that any those versions of repurposing can be can be really impactful, but you just have to lean in and find the one that works the best. And and I would encourage people to stick with one. Stick with one that you can do consistently. Uh, that you know is valuable for you. I think where it gets challenging, if you try to be all things for all people, um, I would even argue to, to lean into one or two social accounts and stick with those. Uh, you know, Gary Vaynerchuk's made the let's post everywhere multiple times a day really popular. And I think a lot of people follow that model and that can work for you, but it can be just impact, as impactful, if not more so, to find the account that makes sense where your audience exists and uh, really lean into that and, and develop your presence there. Well, and I do that too, where I, I don't know if I didn't know that was Gary Vanderchuk who came up with that, but um, I do that as well, where I ship everything to um, pretty much every channel, not always, but here's the, here's the reality. I don't care about all the channels. Like for example, uh, if you're listening on Twitch, I don't think anybody's listening. Uh, I'm sorry to offend you if I am, but you know, like it's not a high priority, but since I can send it there, relatively easy like it's not any more work i do it same with facebook i think facebook unless you're paying for promotion i mean it's becoming less and less relevant but i'm still shipping it there because it is literally not any more work so just something to think about i use buffer i don't know what you use but buffer ships everything everywhere and you can shuffle the queue and do different things um so uh, so that's how i think about that as well Sure. Yeah. I mean, automation is great in that respect. Hootsuite, Buffer, those tools are awesome for that. I mean, it makes it makes it easy, especially if, if you want to batch your social activity and you want to do all of it on one day. You want to spend 30 minutes. You want to spend an hour uh, scheduling everything out for your week for social media so you're not having to do it on the fly or doing it bit by bit, day by day. You just want to knock it out in, in one swoop. And yeah, automation is powerful for that. And uh, yeah, it definitely makes it easy. Um, yeah. 
Uh, it works both ways. I mean, I see some people just really dig into one medium and some people spread it out. I think it just depends on, on your preference, your timing and what works for you. Ultimately, you just want to do what works. So. That's that's right. Uh, so when we do content, how quickly can we expect uh, leads to come in? How does that typically work? Yeah, again, it's a maturity thing uh, with if you've never created any content before at all, it, you've got a lot longer runway there uh, than somebody that has some content standing up and they're tweaking it and changing it and amplifying what they've already created. Uh, I typically like to pass on at least like a 120 day timetable to really get their organic traffic engine rolling. Do you need help with digital marketing for your small to medium sized business? Reach out now and drop us a message at ctrap at gmail.com. to six month um, type timeline. And that's a long runway. Uh, and I know that's that's hard uh, for some people to commit to. Uh, if you've already got the content standing up and you've got some consistency there, I think you can create leads a lot faster just by tweaking and improving what you've got. Yeah, absolutely. And the other thing when it comes to a good content strategy, don't feel like you have to publish just because you're publishing, but do get on a rhythm. I'll give you an example. And I think I tweeted this earlier today, perhaps, uh, it was in Buffer. I don't know if it went or not. I didn't check. But um, but basically, I'm getting all these emails wishing me a Happy New Year from brands I haven't heard from in years. Why? 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 <laughs> Seriously. Like, you know, I think it's the thing people realize they, they should be out there. They should be sharing things. But it's an easy, they think it's easy to create it, but they're actually turning people off. And I unsubscribe to most of those emails unless it is somebody I know. But if I don't remember even talking to you, why are you wishing me Happy New Year? Seriously, I've heard I've had more Happy New Years from brands I don't know, of, I don't even know who they are, than from family members. So just something to keep in mind. Um, what other tips, Chris, uh, do you have? How do how do people work with you? Uh, when when would they reach out? Sure. Uh, again, I work with solopreneurs and small businesses in different areas of the life cycle. Uh, really have three kind of setups. One was just all a cart one-on-one where we meet a few times a month. We talk through your challenges in, so- in social media and content strategy and content marketing, establish a game plan for you to work off of. You become the executor and you, you do that. And, you know, we meet to talk about accountability and how that's going, what's going well, what isn't going as well. My next setup is more consulting where I'm working with you hand-in-hand as a strategist. Maybe we bring in an SME that's a content creator in the space and we're working together to really get that content created and get the strategy standing up and get some momentum rolling. And then we also have longer-term contracts where I work really as that in-house content strategist for somebody for four to six months and dig in 100%. And I do the execution, I do the strategy work. So all those factors and all those are a possibility. It really just depends on on who I'm working with, uh, their resourcing, what their goals are. You can find out more about that on my website, chrishughes.com. Uh, it's down here uh, on the on the header. Uh, also, I'm kicking off a membership community in 2021 called the LeapFrog Collective. And this is going to be more centered around content strategy and personal branding for college students and young professionals and people in career transition to understand how to build their personal brand and be more proactive in the, in the process of developing their careers and building that uh, rather than being reactive. 
And I'm kicking that off in February 2021. Uh, the wait list is up now. Uh, the website is leapfrogcollective.com. So you can check that out as well. So those are my two primary projects coming up into Q1 of 21. And I'm always happy to hear uh, personal branding. It's kind of interesting because when you do it well, somebody will certainly um, uh, throw some cheap shots at you. And there was just somebody the other day, I believe it was a senior VP with a big SaaS company. And they said, marketers would be more successful if they would spend less time trying to be marketing Twitter famous and actually focus on their company things. And I think what people don't understand, here's, what, here's the, the truth. Yes, I'm working on my personal brand. Certainly. But I'm also working on learning new things. I'm also working on figuring new things out. For example, just by talking to all these experts on the, on the show, I learn stuff too, you know, all, I mean, all the time. The other day I learned that you can sign up any company, even if it doesn't have a storefront, on Google My Business. I didn't know that. So if a SaaS company that doesn't even have people come by isn't on Google My Business, there probably should be. You know, so but I didn't know that until I think it was Elaine Lindsay who shared that with me. So I always learn things. And then the other thing is I learn technology. I work in content. I'm a content strategist. And guess what? If I know how to do a live stream to all these different channels, even the ones I've, I barely have used before myself, and then I can turn it into a podcast in five minutes after we're done here, that's good for the people I work with, that's good for my company, that's good for everybody because I'm learning how to use them. So just something to keep in mind when you have people coming at you and adding <laughs> you about uh, why are you trying to be famous, you can get back to them and say, well, why don't you, uh, you know, it's not an airport. You don't have enough, you don't, you don't have to announce that you're leaving, just leave. Yeah. So yeah, yeah, exactly. Right. Chris, really appreciate you making the time um, from rainy Austin, Texas today. Um, thanks so much for sharing your insights. Really appreciate you making the time and connecting. Yeah, thank you. I had a great time. Thanks, awesome. everybody. Thanks, everyone, for watching and listening. Until next time.